All right. And uh, let's uh, turn to the Lord. Let's depend upon the Lord for this time as well. I know we uh, spent a good time in prayer, but let's. this is a prayer meeting. So uh, let's pray one more time and ask the Lord to uh, speak to us, to ready our hearts uh, that we might hear from him tonight. So let's spend a few moments right now in prayer. Let's just seek him. Say, God, I want to meet you. I want to encounter you. I want to draw deeper into you. Uh, I want to become more intimate with you tonight. So let's spend a few moments right now before we start in prayer. Let's pray together. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old, O Lord. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. God, we declare that you are mighty and you are mightier than all the storms that rage in this world, all the walls of communism, all the walls of governments. God, you are stronger. And Father, we submit under your authority tonight, and we thank you that that is the highest authority. And God, we also praise you because that is the safest place for your people to be, and that is praying in your presence, dwelling with you. Father, we have desire to encounter you tonight. Lord, we want to draw closer to you. We want to become more intimate with you tonight, Lord. Your people have gathered. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. We ask right now that you would cancel all the assignments of the enemy over this place and allow your people to bask in the thickness of your presence, that we would delight in your presence as you delight in the presence and the praises of your people. God, teach our hearts to pray. Teach us what it means to live in prayer. Teach us what it means to breathe prayer. And God, allow us to love one another deeply as a people of God. Lord, we do not come representing different churches and denominations, God. We come representing one name in the name of Jesus Christ here tonight. And God, because of that, we want to honor you and we delight in you and we delight to honor you. So come, Holy Spirit, melt hearts tonight. Father, we ask that you would bring about healing tonight. Father, years of healing in people's hearts that have been buried, we ask for a release of your healing power tonight. And Father, we also pray that you would strengthen your church through the English ministries of this nation tonight. Unite us together. We join in the prayer of Jesus that prayed for our unity that would bring you glory. God, we pray for that unity tonight. 
And God, we continue to seek you and desire that we would not want to be complacent with where we have been or what we have seen or experienced. God, we want more of you. And God, we want more of you tonight. So come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Have your way. Lead the way. Because God, we love you. And we want these prayers, we want this message, we want these praises to be an expression of our love to you. So meet us here. And let us hear your heartbeat. And let us hear your voice tonight. And be changed because we have encountered the living God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is here. Amen. Right, if you could open your Bibles to John chapter 21. You know, one of the blessings of uh, being a part of these gatherings is that uh, people come hungry. Anybody hungry tonight? Uh, you know, in um, you know, I was a speech communications major, and also um, you know, I teach preaching and stuff. One of the things that you teach the students anytime you do public speaking is you know you have to start with a good introduction to capture the audience, you know, to make them want to listen and all that stuff. But one of the good things about these gatherings is you don't really need an introduction because people come hungry. Amen. Um, but I have an introduction anyway. But <laughs> but let's uh, look to John chapter twenty-one. Let's go to the text, uh, starting from verse 15, and we'll uh, read till verse 25. Uh, I'll be reading from the ESV right now, um, but also we'll be going back and forth with the NIV. I know different people have different translations. This is the word of the Lord from verse 15, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had been reclining at the table close to him and said, Lord, who is it uh, that is going to betray you? Uh, When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it was my will that he would remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. 
Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written, I suppose, that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. You know, if you ever watch the uh, show Survivor, uh, the um, somewhat reality TV show about uh, surviving uh, stranded on an island, uh, even though camera crew and emergency medical help is right there just in case something happens. Uh, if you ever watch the show, you know that the number one thing that each team needs to establish is what? Is a fire. That more than even creating a shelter, uh, they need to maintain and start a fire. Because fire represents life for the person and for the team. Uh, with it, they can cook, uh, they can eat, they can stay warm, they can survive. Without it, they need to start over again with the fire. And keeping the flame alive is symbolic towards keeping their life alive and for their team. And in, uh, in a very parallel way, keeping the flame of passion for Christ in our lives alive is also essential for the survival of our faith journey. Uh, you know, I know later on we'll be praying for uh, New Philadelphia's Niagara Conference that's going to be coming up next week, which I know you guys are excited about. And I know many will be attending, and many already uh, have signed up because they are hungering for more of God. And what I felt as I was praying, obviously, for the conference, for us, for this evening, uh, what I want to do is help us to prepare to be ready to receive more from the Lord. Uh, not only for those who are going, uh, but for those who will not be attending. Uh, because though um, having a fire to survive is important, uh, the preparation of the materials for the fire is just as important. You need to have the right materials, yes. Uh, you know, you have to prepare um, the right things to maximize the potential for a flame to be ignited and for a flame to grow. You don't just show up. And you can't just throw anything down and expect a fire to grow. And for us to grow deeper in our intimacy with God, be it at the conference or even for our Sunday services tomorrow, preparing the right raw materials is crucial for letting that fire be uh, established. And so what I want to do is help us to make those necessary steps today. And so as we do look at John chapter 21, uh, I want to look at some of these elements of preparation for us to begin a new season of deeper intimacy with God. Because this chapter is very essential. This was actually the turning point in a lot of sense for Peter's life. Uh, for what Peter experienced before uh, the resurrection of Christ and what Peter experienced after, uh, this was the pivot. This was the crucial turning point. Uh, Peter made a lot of mistakes. He failed in a lot of ways. Uh, and in a lot of ways, we can relate to the failing Peter in our lives. And for a lot of us, we want to go to a new level. We want to get more intimate with Christ and so what we will learn in this chapter is crucial for us to as well turn the corner in our intimacy with God to be able to draw closer to him, 
but also to be used more effectively by Him. Amen? Right, so we want to look at that today. So uh, keep your Bibles open to John chapter 21. And the first thing that we establish in this portion of the text is that for some of us here today, the way that we will be able to draw closer to God, uh, because what I do also sense as I was praying is for some of us, uh, though we are hungering for God, we long to get more intimate with God, we feel like something is blocking us. We feel like we cannot get as close to God as we desire. We see other people seeking God so passionately, but there seems to be something that is hindering us from getting to that next level. There seems to be something that is hindering us. And those are the things that we want to address. And for some of us here, the way that we will draw more intimate in our walk with God is by finding forgiveness from our past. Peter was one person who messed up big time. Uh, He denied Christ three times. Uh, He is one person who had foot-in-the-mouth disease. Uh, He was always the one who would speak up first. uh, You know, I'm not going to die. You know, everybody else, these guys will die, but not me. Uh, You know, he had a lot. That was a very serious disease for him. You know, foot-in-the-mouth. So he would declare his devotion to Christ over and over again. And after realizing his sin and mistakes, what did Peter do? He went back to his old job. Uh, Why? Because he realized, you know what? Um, I I know that I messed up. I failed God big time. And just as Peter rationalized, we think as well, when we mess up, uh, God must be so disappointed in me God must not want to use me anymore. And we think, why would he? I mean, I failed him time and time and time again. And so, like the natural heart that we have, Peter decided, you know what? Uh, I know Jesus resurrected from the dead. I know he conquered, but I failed him so much with my foot in the mouth. Uh, I failed him so much in so many ways. I'm going to go back to my old job. I'm going to quit what I felt God calling me to do Uh, Because I messed up so much. And that's what Peter does. He goes back to his fishing job. He he made bold statements. He made even bolder sins. And is thinking, you know what? I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it to God. God can't use me anymore. Uh, I probably will do more harm than good. There are so many other people that are better qualified than me to be serving God. And so, because uh, he probably gave up on me too, I guess I'll give up on me as well. And that's when Jesus steps into his life again. Now, if you look at chapter 21, actually, if you also look at chapter 20, um, one of the things that we see is, okay, right after the resurrection happens, uh, he appears and he restores certain people. He restores Thomas, as you see in chapter 20, verse 24. Uh, He was not there. He was doubting. So he restores this element within his life. And in other parts of the gospel, we see that as Peter went back to his old fishing job, this is something phenomenal about Peter, though. If you recall, um, as they were fishing, and as Peter went back to his old job, uh, Jesus shows up on the beach shore. 
And he calls out to his disciple as Peter was fishing with his buddies. And then says, Jesus asks, have you guys caught in anything yet? And then Peter asks, hey, who was that? And then what does John tell him? That's the Lord. What would you do? I don't know about you, but I would be, oh, that's Jesus, you know. I failed him big time. Um, maybe he can't see us. So let's roll a little bit further deep into the sea. That's what I would do. Let's pretend, what? What? I'm, I'm sorry, we can't hear you. Um, out of shame. Out of guilt. I don't want to see Jesus again. I just denied him big time three times. But what does Peter do? He jumps out of the boat and swims to Jesus. That is an amazing revelation into the heart of Peter, a radical understanding of Christ, his heart and his grace. But also that is a greater insight into how sinners felt comfortable around Jesus. For a lot of people throughout the Gospels, the more sinful they felt, prostitutes, tax collectors, the sinners, the more comfortable they were with Jesus. And that reveals something challenging for the spiritual leaders of our generation. I grew up in a ministry where it was common for us to think, oh, I'm so intimidated by our spiritual leaders. They're so holy and I'm so sinful. Did you ever feel like that? I felt like that growing up in my campus ministry. But there's something that is revealed in this text about what true godliness does what true grace in someone's life does to those who know they are sinners around them. It allows them to be comfortable in the midst of grace. Amen? And that is what we see. Peter understands that about the heart of Christ. And he does not run away from Jesus when he knows he's a sinner and he has sinned and he is approaching Christ he runs to the Savior. And that is something all of us can learn from the life of Peter. Yes, he was foolish in what he spoke about. Yes, he was bold in a lot of his radical commitments that he failed. But he was even bolder to approach the throne of grace. And that is how we need to embrace Christ in our sinfulness that we need to understand that there is something about the heart of Christ, there is something about the powerful hugeness of the grace of God that will embrace us in the midst of our filthiness and sin because that is the place we need to go when we feel shame, when we feel guilt, when we feel the unworthiness of all that we are, we are not to run into the corners of the world in the shadows hiding. We need to run into the embrace of Christ and receive healing, receive forgiveness, receive the restoration that comes from His embrace. And that is why some of us here, we have never experienced that breakthrough of intimacy with Christ. 
Because when we feel we have sinned, we go in the opposite direction. We run away from Christ when we should be running to Him. That is why for some of us here, the first step for us to be able to draw closer to Christ in intimacy is by finding forgiveness from our past. Let's look at verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. A few preliminary things to note here. You know, there's been a lot of things written and discussed about the nature of the word. I'm sure you've heard sermons about it in the Greek. You know, Jesus used agape, agape, and then he goes to phileo. And then is that the reason why Peter was hurt? Because Jesus went from agape, unconditional love, to phileo. He brought the level down one. Uh, Is that the reason? Um, You know, but the writer, John, often interchanges these two words of love, of agape, phileo, throughout his letter. And so uh, modern scholarship does dismiss uh, this the reason for Peter's sadness. So I'm not going to get into that right now. But the second thing about this uh, is the thing that is in discussion is when he asks, do you love me more than these? Uh, That's also an issue of discussion amongst different scholars. You know, verse 15, do you love me more than these? What does that mean? Number one, you know, Jesus could be asking Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples? Love me other than these other people because Peter, you said, even if all other people forsake me, you will not. So that could be a possibility. Jesus asks, Do you love me more than these other disciples as you said you did before? That's one possibility. Second possibility is, Do you love me more than these fish? Meaning your career. Do you love me more than these things that you are trusting in for your life, your career, your provision? That's another possibility. But regardless, uh, I think they are accomplishing, whether he's talking about the disciples or the fish, it's accomplishing the same goal when Jesus is asking this. What Jesus is doing is Jesus is taking Peter back to his points of failure when he made promises that he broke in order to restore something from his past so that he could move on. He's saying, remember your first love and the passion you had for me and following me? You remember how you messed up and you said yes, that you will follow me at all costs? But yet you failed? But Jesus is saying, but you know what? You made that promise. You failed that promise. But now he's saying, but that's not the end of the story for you and me. That's not where I want to stop our relationship. There is more. There is a future still. Why does Jesus bring up the issue of love and devotion to Peter again and again and again? Why does Jesus ask Peter if he loves him three times? You know, Peter probably knowing that it's in reference to the three times that he denied Jesus Christ. Was it to make him feel guilty? Was it to rub it in? 
Was it to make him feel horrible? No. It was to forgive and restore Peter back again, back into service for every single time he felt guilt, shame, and failure. This is a principle that I've uh, talked about within our ministry, which I think is an important principle for the church to understand. That is this. Sometimes we need to go back before we can move forward. Sometimes we need to go back and find forgiveness for sins that we've committed and never confessed or never gotten over in our lives for us to truly move on and move forward in deeper intimacy with Christ. For some of us here today, we can't move forward because we're still stuck in something in our past. It could be a major sin or mistake that you made many years ago, but you think that because of that, God can't use me anymore. And God wants to revisit that and show that His grace is stronger. For other people, it could be being sinned against by someone and we've never let it go. We've never forgiven. And God wants to take us back to those things that we haven't dealt with so God can move us to a brighter future. You know, I believe God wants to do uh, some great, amazing, mind-blowing things at the conference, uh, the Niagara Conference, as all of us have been praying, are very much aware that God has something special in store. But not just for that conference, but for the second generation, for the English speakers, for the expats of this nation. We all are anticipating a grand move of God within our lives. And for that, for all of us to experience all that God has for us, for some of us, God needs to take us back somewhere to deal with sins and issues of forgiveness so that we can move forward to a new move of God. One of the things that God may call us to do is to receive forgiveness from past sins, to go back, take inventory, search me, God. You know my heart. If there are hidden sins, bring it into light. Be it sexual sin or stealing or criticism of spiritual leaders or parents or rebellion to be able to receive forgiveness from past sins. For others, I believe it means forgiving other people who have sinned against us. You know, um, this is something that I've seen literally before my eyes uh, transform people in a matter of seconds. I know a a very dear sister um, who many years ago, she confided in me that Uh, She hated baseball. And you might be like, whoa, that's not really something that you confess, you know. Um, You know, I I really hate baseball. Now, if you hated the Dallas Cowboys, that's something you have to confess. And, you know, we'll deal with that later. But (laughs) all the pastors are, oh, we got a lot lot of confession to do tonight. But later, though, this is why she shared with me that she hated baseball. When she was growing up as a little girl, the way that her father would discipline her was with a baseball bat. And she is a sister who had a lot of eating disorders uh, since I've known her. She is a sister who um, did not know the connection. She would overeat a lot because she said she wanted, she did not want to 
appear attractive to guys because she was afraid of intimacy. And she knew how guys loved, you know, certain figures or whatever, and she wanted to break that image so much to keep people away. And so um, it took time, um, but as later on, once we made the connections and things for her, it was the moment that she was able to forgive her dad, her life, in those few seconds before my eyes, I saw her life transform. Her whole life changed. How she ate changed. How she dressed changed. How she viewed baseball changed. It was because she did not realize the connection. God had to take her back to experience forgiveness, wholeness, restoration, and to be able to forgive so that she could move forward. Now she just finished seminary and she's preparing for a lifetime of ministry. We praise God for his restoration power. And uh, as most counselors, pastors in here would testify as well, we know far too many people who have been abused, who have been hurt, who have many things hidden in their closets because they are afraid if someone finds out this is such a shameful thing, no one will ever view me the same. Or if this comes out, God, I can't even view myself the same anymore. And so we keep it hidden. And you wonder why you are hitting a wall so much in desiring deeper intimacy with God. For some of us, we need to revisit some painful areas in our past to be able to receive the grace of God to be able to bless and forgive so that we can move into a brighter future. The third area that I believe God wants to address for some of us here today in terms of forgiveness is some of us, we need to forgive ourselves. Some of you need to forgive yourself for messing up because we're all messed up and broken people. And for you, say, you know, God can't forgive me. Nobody can forgive me because of what I did. I say, God says to you today, forgive, be forgiven, and be free to run into your glorious future. And be free and courageous like Peter, the guy with the biggest foot in his mouth disease that we know. Be courageous and follow in his footsteps as in the midst of his guilt and shame, he runs boldly, swims courageously into the arms of Christ again. No matter how filthy and shameful and dirty you feel, you take that step of faith and you take a chance and you run into those arms. You fall at the feet of Christ. You boldly approach the throne of grace. And his arms are not folded. His eyes are not crossed. His arms are open to receive you tonight. And he will say over you, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you to come to me. I've been waiting to receive you and to restore you, to bless you, to strengthen you, to forgive you, to be able to empower new strength and hope in you so that you can move on to a brighter future. That is God's heart for you today. He says... 
his message for those who think that God cannot use me anymore or that God has given up on me. God wants to tell you something today, and that is to get rid of those lies and be set free by truth. That when you come to Christ, he can make all things new. He is the God of new beginnings. He is the God who restores the years that the locusts have eaten. That is why it is so important. Then why? You might be like, if God can just start things over again, be brand new, why does he have to take me back? Because he wants to show you the power of redemption, the power of the cross, to be able to restore even years and decades of sin and shame and guilt and mistakes. That is why he will take you back and receive forgiveness to be able to bless and forgive and show you that through that, even the wasted years become restored. He wants to give hope that your best days are not behind you. All of us who are in Christ, the best days are ahead of us. And sometimes you have to go back before you can go forward. Amen? But as you do, know that Jesus loves you, He forgives you, and He wants to use you. So, for some of us, we need to go back and find forgiveness for things. And for other people, this is the message we need to gain from this, and that is to follow Christ no matter what cost. That is the message for other people here. That God is calling you to follow Christ no matter the cost. Verse 18 and 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Now, did you know that there is a way to glorify God in life, how you live? And there is a way to glorify God in death by how you die. He is saying, count the cost and follow me unto death. Peter, you will be crucified. You'll, someone will stretch out your hands. You'll stretch out your hands, Jesus is saying. And this time, don't think that being a part of Christ's kingdom means living in luxury and comforts. And I shared this with our congregation this past Sunday because the true prosperity, health, and wealth gospel is a gospel that proclaims that Jesus is not the source of gaining health and wealth, but Jesus is worth more than health and wealth. That is the true, not just true prosperity gospel, that is the true gospel. Count the cost, he is saying. That we are to follow Christ no matter what. No matter the pain, no matter the difficulties, even if God chooses to bring us through difficult days, be it financially, relationally, or even physically, that we declare that, God, I love you more than all of these things. I love you more than life. I love you no matter what. That is the heartbeat and cry of a disciple. 
And the reason why some, for some of us, it may be forgiveness issues, and for some of us, the reason why we cannot get closer in intimacy with God, we always seem to hit a wall or a barrier, is because there is something that you have placed as a greater value in your value system more than Christ. So as long as I get this relationship, Jesus, I'm going to keep following you. I'm going to keep praying because I believe you're going to change my relational status on my Facebook one day so that I could have a link to another name. And so, God, I believe that I claim that, and I believe it's going to happen. So, that, God, I'm going to follow you because you're going to provide that for me, right, God? No matter what that thing is, God is saying, even if, even if I don't give you that, will you still follow me? That is discipleship. In life until death, bringing glory to God. How do you want your life to end? And for some of us, it means focusing on your race, not someone else's. Let's look at verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had been reclining at the table to him and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Uh, And so we still see a little bit of the old Peter, right? Because he's like, oh, so I'm going to not enjoy how I'm going to die. Right, you're saying, I'm going to not enjoy this. But then, what, about, what about John? Right, what about this guy? How's, how's he going to die? Right? Is he going to die more miserable than me? Right? Come on. So he wants to do this comparison. He wants to feel better. Right? Or if anything, he wants to see if his death will be more honorable. So he's still doing a comparable thing, comparing thing here. So Jesus says, you're going to die for me and you're going to be crucified. And you know, Peter says, what about this guy? And Jesus is teaching Peter one more lesson to begin his new journey. And that is, when you run for me, you keep your eyes on Jesus, not on other people. Jesus says, it does not matter what the other person's race is about. What matters is your race. Don't compare yourself with how many people are falling when you pray over them versus when you pray. That's a very important one. As God begins manifesting in more and more ways like that. Jesus saying, even these manifestations of the Spirit, the whole point of it is to point people to Jesus. If you are starting to keep your eye on other people and start comparing, you're missing the whole point of why this is happening. Why is God allowing some people to manifest so that they can, they can focus on Jesus? So that we can focus on Jesus? So that everything that happens needs to be focusing on Jesus? And Jesus is reminding us here that whatever race you run, don't compare your gifts to somebody else. Don't compare your quote-unquote anointing with someone else's. You keep your eyes on me. You keep running for me. Because I have a race for you. I have a path for you. And I want you to run faithfully. God is not going to ask, how co- hey, look at that. How could you not do He's not going to do that. Right? Come on. You are called to be you. Amen? Turn to somebody yesterday. You are, tell them that. You are called to be you. 
Right? Tell somebody, don't try to be me. Now, for all the uh, non-Asians in the house right now, uh, I know that it may not be as an issue, but this is deeply ingrained within the Asian culture. From the time that we're born, our parents compare us to other kids. You know? I, now, check this out. I know of a baby boy. The parents named him, I not, I'm not sure, they named him Yale. How is that pressure for you, right? Hi, I'm Yale. Can you imagine if he does not get into Yale? Like, the shame? No pressure, right? No pressure. And the second son, you are Harvard. And you are MIT. Right? But God is saying, don't compare. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. Otherwise, you will be miserable. You will either become prideful because when you start comparing and you think, hey, man, I'm actually pretty better than that guy, right? You're going to get prideful and that's going to separate you from God or you'll become depressed. Self-pity is going to kick in. When you compare and you're like, oh, man, they, they're so much better. They're so much more anointed. They're so much more spiritual. God, how, what about me? And then the eyes are all upon ourselves again. So Jesus is saying, keep your eyes on me. That is what he is teaching Peter. He's saying, before you begin your new walk with me, before you begin this new journey, this new race, where you will be the rock on which this church will be built upon in the foundational stages, Peter, you need to understand some things that in your past, your past has been forgiven. So go back there and realize that don't dwell in it. I've restored it. I've redeemed it. And I will still use you. And don't keep comparing yourself to the other disciples as you always did thinking that you're better or they're better, you keep your eyes on me. That is how you are going to finish this race well. Amen? With that, let's pray.